All right, so the next uh, session is uh, entitled Dear Bhutan by Dear World. What's up, everybody? Well, King, I, I appreciate uh, the opportunity. Uh, in my life, like many of you, I've felt extreme happiness. Typically for me, it comes when I'm around people that I love, respect, and admire. An example of this in my life is when my former partner and I hosted a New Year's Eve party in New Orleans. And our friends and family were there. And a brass band played music that only can be played in New Orleans. Sounds that make you feel alive. I remember looking at my father and his wife who were there. And they were visiting, and my dad is from Nebraska. And although Nebraska and New Orleans are in the same country, they are pretty much light years away culturally. Uh, but that night he beamed. And as I prepared for today, I realized that we speak about memories in the past, but it's here with me right now, that feeling I had that night, burned into my brain. It's not in the past. Alternatively, I've felt extreme sadness and pain too. When my mom died, she left us via suicide. I was 18, a freshman in college. She stuffed rocks in her pocket and drowned herself in a family lake. In her career as a visual artist, she created both light and dark art. Some of her work used sweeping yellows and blues of the Nebraska landscape. And she also created monsters lathered in blacks and reds. When we planned her funeral, I suggested to my brothers that we buy a stark white casket and ask the people she loved and the people who loved her to write goodbye messages directly on the casket. I haven't told many people this, but the reason and the spark of buying the stark white casket was really because it was the cheapest one in the catalog. <laughs> but by the time the priest cloaked that casket in a Christian cross. The messages and drawings of love and goodbye filled every inch of the casket. So it's not lost on me now, 18 years later, that my life's work is sharing meaningful stories, asking people to share with me about their lives, and to write short messages on their bodies. Over 100,000 people have participated our bodies are just vessels that carry us. And like the goodbye messages of my mother's casket, these meaningful moments we share together endure. They are not in the past. They are here and they are now. So when Kinga and members of the Harvard and MIT trek that went to Bhutan over the New Year asked us to join, my producing partner and I just went with the intention to be present and to make memories. I didn't have a phone. I left it in Thailand on purpose. And I only had, for eight days, a notebook, a pen, and a camera. And when Ben and I talked about what we wanted to create with Kinga and, and the rest of the folks on the trip, we talked about that a lot. And we decided just to simply ask the Bhutanese people strangers on the street, teen hip-hop dancers, a chef, a G&H policy expert about their views on happiness. And I'm excited to share with you the piece that we made.
Many people to thank Kinga. Thank you for uh, inviting us on the trip. Um, Sange, who was the GNH policy expert, who gave us uh, a real tour into the experience in Bhutan. Ben Reese on my team and Jen Tutak, who invited us uh, with the group. Um, I have something really special for y'all here. Are you getting this? Yeah. Here we are. This is where Anthony Bourdain should have have come. Yeah. 
What you got there? Rest in peace, rest in peace. Kombucha, kombucha from in Bhutan. Where are we at, bro? We are at the cafe in Kombucha for run by my very good friend Yishe. So what did I learn on my trip to Bhutan with no phone for eight days clinging and clacking in my pocket? First of all, I would encourage all of you to try that. Uh, disconnecting from a phone is important. And I learned the importance of one word and I respect it deeply. And the word is now. So when I feel sad or happy, I feel it now. And I feel my mom right now. And so yeah, now is beautiful. And it's happy. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Um, I think I want to go there to that place. <laughs> Thank you so much for capturing all those beautiful moments and for all the friends that Robert has not only made in Bhutan, but have been able to actually connect even within Bhutan itself. And I think that was very special as you've shared with us. Um, next, before I invite the next guest to give you the final concluding remark, I want to indulge on two, three minutes of acknowledging all my friends who have really been working hard behind the scenes. So if I can please ask everyone to stand up. I would like to have mentioned every name, but uh, being mindful of all the pro programs we have after this. So can you please stand up, all our friends, there you go. Here, here, they're all over at the back. Stop. Stop, I Pat, Shugi. Shugi, yeah, okay. Yeah, Patrick. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So you see how easy it was. <laughs> because I had this wonderful team who had been uh, Oh, so I believe, um, is that for me? Oh, there you go. So I get to, all right. Thank you. This is for you, for all your hospitality and the great time and the ability to go to such a beautiful place and make so many friends. Uh, happiness is, uh, it's like friendship. And it is to have good friends, you must be a good friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Paul and Stock. Um, they have been working very tirelessly with all you can see, the creative energy and creative vision flow into these paintings. And so with this, Professor, if you can please come up to the podium and kindly deliver the concluding remarks. Thank you. so much for those comments and um, I would love to have my cats with me but cats actually don't travel so they're home a couple of miles <laughs> from here. They are outside cats but they don't come to school with me. Anyway, thank you so much. Uh, first of all, uh, welcome and good afternoon to everyone. It's great to see you all here. Thanks so much for asking me to give these final comments. I will say these were just spur of the moment um, because I wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to make it here uh, today because I just got back from a, a short trip. But I'm really happy to be able to address you and um, also so happy about the topic of the conference and the way it went and this whole project is extremely impressive. Uh, I'll just say a great deal of appreciation and admiration to the Bhutanese government and all the other people who are involved in this uh, gross, uh, gross ha happiness project that um, uh, is just a phenomenal idea for even having the idea and especially for branding it, you know, coming up with uh, terms and ways to express something that's just so important right now and that we hear so little about. All we hear about is negative, negative, negative. And to be able to um, create this positive vision and have ways of talking about it is, is a really you know, huge contribution. Um, and I would say that the country of Bhutan is really showing leadership in the world. Um, so I'm a scholar of primarily Buddhism and primarily Tibetan Buddhism and Himalayan Buddhism. Uh, and um, I, I understand that in the way that the Gross National Happiness Project is being articulated, primarily religion has not so much been thematized, and I understand that it's, it's in intentionally secular, but as a cultural historian, I will say that a lot of the ideas are very much grounded and coming out of both the, Buddha, the very strong Buddhist history in Bhutan and also the great contribution of the Hindu citizens who are also in Bhutan now. Uh, you know, one of the, the interesting things for myself who's a scholar of Buddhist studies, we appreciate these ideas coming from the past, but we also are really interested in how these ideas and practices coming that are very re religious and really from another time uh, can have applicability in real concrete terms in the modern period. And uh, this is something that's difficult to do well. As we all know, there's kinds of ways where you dilute the whole message and make it very modern and attractive. I think in this case, it has been this sort of translation of really important and foundational ideas. The one concept I would mention is that of interdependence which uh, is an extremely important Buddhist idea. It has to do with the way that the world is, uh, from the way that we think, the way that the physical material world is. It's being now applied in really, really effective ways and, and plausible ways uh, for the future. 
and uh, watching, in fact, the uh, development of other Buddhist countries around the world uh, today, it's not necessarily uh, an entirely positive picture, actually. As everyone knows in the room that um, how difficult our situation more generally is in this world today. And uh, Buddhist and Hindu countries have not necessarily been always the best leaders either in issues around morality and development in this, these kind of very well thought out ways. And Bhutan is really standing out now as a way of really providing a model for translating these old insights into ways that are really going to be effective in the modern world in, in development and technology and, um, and especially the environment. Uh, I can't thank you enough uh, for really uh, pointing our attention to this extremely important idea. It's such a disappointment and concern for all of us that in this country, the United States, our politicians are barely even mentioning the term. You know, in the last 2016 election, amazingly, it didn't come up. It's starting to come up now, but tiny country, way up high in the mountain, Bhutan is telling us in the, in the entire world how to do it better. And, you know, God bless you, thank you, and please uh, keep doing this and um, keep spreading the word and uh, you're in a really perfect position uh, using some of the symbolic capital that uh, Buddhism and Hinduism have in the, in the world, but using it in a really, really positive way. So I can't applaud you enough. I really, really admire you, and um, anything that I, <laughs> or anybody else who studies uh, Buddhism and Asian religions more generally in the academy, whatever we can do for you, please let, let us know. We're really, behind you. So again, my um, thanks and admiration and appreciation to you for, for leading us and you're, you're, you're doing a good job. May this only expand and increase. And thank you all for your interest in this and willing to have this kind of dialogue. Fantastic thing to have at Harvard Divinity School. We're honored to have you here. This is just the kind of thing that we really, really appreciate. So thanks all of you and um, I hope you have a good afternoon. You go outside, it's gotten very uh, warm and pretty outside. So thank you. Okay, so uh, thank you, Professor, for those apt concluding remarks. And so I can take it from there that we'll be meeting here next year, same time, same place for the next conference. So let's give a round of applause. And, and, please, and please be outside for the cultural program where you can participate in the dance. Thank you so much.